Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Today we start a new series called One Another, The Path to Biblical Community. Uh, The New Testament has several one another commands in the scriptures that show us what biblical community looks like. And in this series, over the next four weeks, we're just going to look at four of the more prevalent ones. And today I want to talk about loving one another. Now, what do you, how would you define love? I mean, someone can become very unnerved very quickly if they've ever been told by someone, I don't love you anymore, right? Uh, that's very unnerving. It can make you go, man, you know, you know, did they even care? And what, what does love really even mean? And, and when you try to find the standard that kind of shows the essence of what love is, I think we have to go back to the Word of God, and I think we have to look at God Himself. The Bible even says that God is love, and we'll talk about that later on. Um, but in the final analysis, someone said this, Love is a commitment with a beginning and no end. And, and I like that because of its simplicity, don't you? Love is a commitment with a beginning, but no end. Uh, in other words, just like Christ loves us and He'll always love us, that never stops. Um, we are to love others uh, with no end. And that is a big commitment to love someone like that. I'm reminded of John 13, a little play on words here, but on, in John 13 verse 1, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. In other words, Jesus knows that He's about to die. He knows that He's going to be um, handed over. He's going to be arrested and handed over to the authorities. He's ultimately going to be crucified on that cross. He knows what's coming. He knows the time is drawing near. And it says, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. He never quit loving them. He loved them to the end. He continued to love them no no matter what. Stuart Briscoe, a, a preacher and author, said it this way. Human love says, I love you if, and God says, I love you even. And I think that's a good distinction to describe the difference between our kind of love and God's kind of love. In Romans 5, 8, it says that God proves His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's, that, that verse has always ministered to me because it, it tells me that God loves me so much that He didn't wait for me to get my act together. He didn't say, you come to church and start acting right and start trying and I might care about you a little bit more. He doesn't say it that way. That's not, that's not His mode of operation at all. On the contrary, it says that God loved us that even when we were sinners, at our worst, at our lowest, He sent Jesus to die for us. Think about that for a minute. That is the love of God. Now, that's God's kind of love. But what about when it comes to us loving one another? Uh, I don't know who to attribute this to. I've heard it for years, but someone said this. To live above with saints we love. Oh, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, well, that's a different story, right? 
And that is true. We're still trying to figure this out. And so my question to you is this. How can we love like God loves? Well, I want us to look at a series of uh, Bible verses for a moment. We'll go to 1 John chapter 4. And let's look at what the Bible simply says about God's kind of love. In 1 John 4 verse 19, it, it says plainly, We love because He first loved us. Let that sink in for a minute. Why do we love God? Because He loved us. Okay? We, we, we get our cue from Him. Uh, we love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Wow. In other words, there's no cop-outs. Uh, God connects our love for Him to our love for people. And you can't say, I love God, but I hate church. I've heard people say that through the years. Not here, but in my ministry, I've heard people say that. Okay. Oh yeah, I love God. I just hate the church. Well, wait a minute. God's Word says, if you love God, you've got to love your brother and sister. Because if you can't love the person you see, why should I believe that you can love God who you can't see? I mean, it's very plain. It's very, very simple. And he says, we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. They're non-negotiable. They're a package deal. Loving God and loving others. Remember when someone asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Uh, the love for God is vertical. Love for people is horizontal. And the only way you can do that is through the cross. That's true. The only way you can do it is through the cross. I'll explain that as we go along. So in 1 John chapter 3 this time, look in verse 14. John says, We know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Now what he's saying there is this. When you get saved, you pass from death to life. And one of the signs that you've been saved is you not only have a love for God who first loved you, and He's our first love, but now you have a love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you don't have that love in your heart, then maybe you're not saved. Or at the very least, you need to evaluate whether or not you're saved. Because He's saying, the reason why I say it that way is because the one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we've come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so Jesus sets the standard for love. He loved us so much, he laid down his life for us. And he's saying when it comes to you loving your brothers and sisters in Christ... You should go all the way up until, if it includes it, laying down your life for someone else. Because that's what Jesus did for us. That's a, that's a high standard. Then we have John 13, the Gospel of John, that is, chapter 13, where Jesus himself says, I give you a new command. Love one another. 
Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me say it this way. Jesus just told us, do you want to know how everybody else in the world can look at you and say, you're a disciple of Jesus. You've been saved. You're following Jesus Christ, aren't you? The one way the world can look at your life and everybody will know you're following Jesus is that you love one another. That's, that's what he's saying. He says, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And Jesus says this is a new command, even though it's an old command. I mean, love one another goes all the way back to the Old Testament law. And yet Jesus says it's a new command. Why is it a new command? The old command said love your neighbor as yourself. Or the golden rule, treat other people the way you want to be treated. But now Jesus raises the bar and says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. That's the new part of the command is we got to go all in like Jesus did, even to the point of laying down our life if that's what is required to prove our love. Now, you might say very quickly, wow, Corey, God's love is definitely different from our kind of love. How do I get there? I mean, how, how is it even possible for me to love like that? Well, let me give you a couple more verses and I'll show you how. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, this hope that we have uh, of eternal life in Christ will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then I'll read quickly Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. So what am I saying here? When you and I get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and God's love now lives inside of us. The love that He has for us is now inside of us by His Spirit. And when we, when we begin to yield to the Holy Spirit in our decision making day by day by day by day, and we let the Holy Spirit work in us and through us, then the Holy Spirit produces God's kind of love in us. And we share His kind of love with other people. Now, I know that's simple, but man, it's profound, isn't it? That, 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 that means when God tells me and you to love one another, and you're like, I don't know if I can love like that. Well, if you will yield to the Spirit of God in your life and do what He wants you to do, just like Danny was saying, I, I didn't want to forgive my bully, but I look at how Christ forgave me, and so I knew what I had to do. And, and, and you're depending on the Lord to give you the strength to do that. And God puts His love in your heart so that you can share it with someone else. So we go, man, I can't love like that. No, you can't, but Christ can. And He has put His Spirit in your heart and that has poured out His love in it. And now we are to share that love with others. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul the Apostle could tell the church this statement. It's quite a bold statement. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, about brotherly love, particularly brotherly love, we're, we're, we're focusing on loving one another. Brotherly love, okay? Loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. About brotherly love, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. 
In fact, you're doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia, but we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more. Now, Paul is making a bold statement. He says, I don't have to tell you anything about this. You know why? Because the Lord has already taught you this. And that's absolutely true. You see, we love God because He first loved us. And when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and He pours His love into our hearts. And now He tells us to love others. And we are to share the love that He's demonstrated for us with other people. And on a, um, on a subconscious level, on a spiritual level, God teaches you that once you get saved. Now, it's in the Bible, and it's biblical, and it's something that we need to teach anyway, but I'm saying that's one of the first lessons, I believe, that the Holy Spirit will teach you personally, is now you love God, and now you love people. And He will make sure you get that message. I have no doubt about it that God, in His unique way, will get that truth through to you in His own way. Love one another. And so Paul says, I don't have to talk anymore about that. You know because God has taught you. And now that you're doing it, all I'm saying is keep doing it. Do it more and more and more and more. And so I've got one last question, I guess, that I want to raise or one issue I want to raise today, and that is this. Now that we've talked about how we can love like God loves, then the issue becomes this. Let's evaluate how we're loving one another. And I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, here's the backstory on, on Peter. You remember Peter. He was the leader of the disciples. And uh, Peter, he, uh, he would say what everybody was thinking because nobody else would say it, so Peter would say it, right? And uh, Peter, he, uh, he's the one that came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? I mean, you know, baseball, you have three strikes, you're out. So seven times, I think that's pretty generous, don't you? And then Jesus says, seven times 70. Whoa, wait a minute. And all of a sudden you realize that we're really not talking about math, are we? No, we're talking about the, the, the lesson of loving other people even when they let us down. And, and Peter wrote this epistle. And if you read 1 Peter chapter 1, particularly the very beginning of the book, you will find out that Peter is writing to believers that are scattered and they're persecuted, okay, and because, of the, because they're scattered and because they're persecuted, they're suffering for the name of Christ. They're, they're being targeted and, and persecuted, and as a result, they're suffering because they are followers of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm feeling down, whenever I'm sick, whenever I'm hurting, I'm not in the best mindset, you know? I mean, none of us are. When, when, we're, when we're not feeling our best, we're more inclined to think of ourselves than we are someone else. And yet, what I'm about to read to you in Peter, he is telling them, you need to think about God, and you need to think about others, and you need to love God, and you need to love others, even if you are scattered, even if you are persecuted, and even if you are suffering for the name of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that's some tough medicine, isn't it? That doesn't necessarily taste good when you hear it, and it goes down the pipe. But that's what he's saying. And when we read this text, I'm going to give you four questions that you can ask yourself that will help you evaluate how you are loving other believers. Look, if you will, in 1 Peter 1, verse 18. Peter says, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your fathers, 
not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. Now, he goes back to that core truth first. Remember how you got saved, okay? You got saved because Jesus died on that cross and shed his blood for you. You, your, your, your salvation wasn't purchased by you or someone else through silver or gold. It was purchased by Jesus Himself, by Him laying down His life and shedding His own blood. And now we're bought and paid for and we belong to Him. That kind of sets the stage, don't it? And then He says this. He says, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through Him you believe in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So if our faith and hope are in God, what I take from that is our love should be too, because look what He did for us. And then He says, Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth. And you might say, what truth? What we've just read in these previous verses about how we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ the good news of salvation, that Jesus laid down His life, shed His blood for you and me. He purchased our salvation with His own blood. He redeemed us, not with silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. So when you have purified yourselves by your obedience to this truth, the good news of the gospel, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly because you've been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. Uh, A probably easier way to express this same idea is in Galatians 5, where Paul said, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. In other words, if we believe Christ for salvation, then that faith expresses itself through love. A love for God and a love for people. Okay? You can't separate the two. And so, how do we evaluate our love for one another? Well, I'm going to give you four questions. The first question, is your love for others sincere? Go back to that one verse, 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere Brotherly love for each other. Notice it is a sincere brotherly love for each other. Is your love for others sincere? In a world where we try to distinguish what's real and what's fake, I was thinking the other day, I thought about this when my kids were younger too. You catch yourself saying, that's not nice. What does nice mean? And then when you start thinking about what's nice, then you compare nice to kind. What's the difference between being nice and being kind? And uh, I saw this quote by Carol Seymour. I think she nails the difference between being nice and being kind. She says, nice is wishing someone happy birthday. Kind is getting them a gift or a card. And I thought, man, isn't that that true? I mean, nice is the the pleasantries that we, we say to others, but it doesn't really mean anything. Kindness is when we intentionally do something to show them we care. Nice sounds good on the surface. Kindness is the genuine thing. 
It's kind of like what John said in 1 John 3.17. If anyone has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And that's true. When we're being nice, it's just words. But when we're being kind, there's intentional actions behind it that show we, we, we really do care. And that's the difference. How is, your, how is your love for others sincere? A second way we can evaluate how we love one another is how do you demonstrate love for others? How do you demonstrate love for others? Notice it says in 1 Peter 1.22, since you've purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other. We talked about the sincere part. Now let's talk about the brotherly love part, how we are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. How do we demonstrate that love for others? <laughs> I guess the best way I can say it is this. A teacher one time asked a boy this question. Suppose your mother had a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and five children, what part of the pie would you get? Now, she was trying to teach math, and she was going through the stomach, you know. There's seven of you in the family, and your mom's going to cut you a piece of pie. How, how, how much of the pie would you get? And the boy said, a sixth. And the teacher was kind of frustrated and said, I'm afraid you don't understand fractions. Remember, there's seven of you. And the boy said, yes, teacher, but you don't know my mom. My mom would say she didn't want any pie. Now think about that. When you and I demonstrate our love for others, we deny ourselves and put the needs of others first. And that's why the mom can say, I really don't want any pie. Romans 12 kind of fleshes this out. In Romans 12 verse 10, it says, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. That means we care more about them than ourselves. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's a lot of commands stacked up on top of each other practical ways of how we can demonstrate love to other people, but it all starts with putting them before us. It involves us saying, I don't want any pie. When it comes to evaluating how we love one another, is our love for others sincere? How do we demonstrate love for others? And number three, do you want something for them or from them? Again, look at 1 Peter 1.22. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere, we looked at that, brotherly, we looked at that, love for each other. Having a love for each other. <laughs> Maybe the best way to tell this is to tell you what it's not. One day, Tommy got a love letter. It says, Dear Tommy, no words could express the great unhappiness I've, I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. 
I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Mary. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. Yeah. Do we want something for them or from them? There's a big difference, right? And when we truly love other people, we want something for them. John Bunyan, who wrote the Pilgrim's Progress book and was persecuted as a Christian and put in chains for Christ, he said this, you have not lived today until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. I'll say that again. You have not lived today until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. You see, God calls us to love other people whether they can ever return the favor or not. And that's how you know it truly is the love of God. When we're simply sharing God's love with other people with no strings attached. When we evaluate our love for one another, is it sincere? How do we demonstrate it? Do we want something for them or from them? And number four, the last question, do you continue to look for ways to serve others? Again, let's go back to 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere, we looked at that, brotherly, we looked at that, love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. From a pure heart, love one another constantly. You know, Romans looks at it this way. I know when I uh, used to do premarital counseling, I would say, I need to talk to you about one more thing. And it won't cost you a dime or a penny, but it'll cost a whole lot. And I said, that's marriage insurance. Everybody looks at me like, what? Marriage insurance? Well, yeah. You know, you've got life insurance. You've got health insurance. You've got auto insurance. There's all kinds of insurance. I want to talk to you about marriage insurance. Okay? And I'll, I'll turn to Romans 13, verse 8. And here's what marriage insurance is. It says in Romans 13, 8, Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And I said, here is marriage insurance. And and, and it's free. I'm not charging you a dime for it, but it's not cheap. It costs a lot. Don't keep score in your marriage. I've been giving and giving and doing and doing, and they're not doing squat. They owe me. You ever been there? What does Romans 13 say? The only debt you should have toward another person is the debt of loving them. Loving them. We're indebted to God and we're indebted to our fellow man to love them, and to keep on loving them. We don't just check that box and say, I love them today. I don't know about tomorrow. No, we, we keep loving them. Remember, the, remember my definition at the beginning of this message? Love is a commitment that has a beginning and has no end. Because when you make the decision to love the way God loves, you just keep loving. Period. That is marriage insurance. And that's good insurance for you and I to realize the debt we have is to just keep on loving. Keep on loving. Keep on loving. 
And when we do that, we fulfill the law. No wonder, going back to 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, no wonder Paul said about brotherly love, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you're doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do it even more. Don't quit loving. Don't stop loving. Don't put a limit on your love. Don't say, I'm going to this point and I'm drawing a line. Keep on loving. Keep on loving because God loves us to the very end and He wants us to love our brothers and sisters to the very end. Now with all this talk about love, I've got one more passage I want to look at. And that's 1 John 4. He kind of summarizes it all. He puts, it, puts a bow on top right here. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not, does not know God because God is love. And God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And love consists in this, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. You know, he ties it to this. You love because you've been born of God and you know the Lord. And Peter, our passage that we read today, the very last verse of that, we kept looking at verse 22, verse 22. But in verse 23, it says that you can do this. You can show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart and love one another constantly because, in verse 23, you have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. Let me ask you, how well are you loving your brother and sister in Jesus Christ? If you say not very well, then you need to let the Holy Spirit search your heart and do the one thing He's telling you to do. Are you holding on to something? Are you holding something against somebody? Uh, whatever the case may be, you need to yield that area to the Lord. But I'll even go a little bit deeper. I'm not saying this is you, but it could be. If you say, I don't really love other people the way God does, then you might need to say, do I really love God? I mean, do I really know the Lord? Because the Bible says in no unspoken terms, in plain English, it says that we love because we've been born of God and we know God, we know the Lord. Remember, when we get saved, we love because He first loved us. And He puts His Holy Spirit inside our heart, and through that, He pours His love into our heart, and now He tells us to love other people the way He's loved us. And if you can't love other people the way God loves you, you might need to examine whether or not you're saved. I say that on the authority of Scripture. And so today I ask you, and I beg of you, have you ever been born again? Have you ever received Jesus Christ into your life and passed from death to life? And you know that you've passed from death to life because now you have a love for God that wasn't there before. And you have a love for people that wasn't there before. 
And now you know that there's been a change in your life. You know that something's different inside of me. Why? Because I've been saved. I've been changed. And now the Holy Spirit has poured His love in my heart. And I just want to share it with other people. That is what it's all about. And my prayer today is if you've never been born again, that you can and, and you can right now. All you have to do is cry out to God and say, Lord, I, 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 love, you know, I, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you sent your Son to die on that cross for my sins. And, and I'm crying out to you. I ask you to come to my life, change me and save me. And you know what? He will. So let's stand as the musicians come, as the ushers come. We'll have a time of invitation. And I encourage you to do what God has called you to do. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you for this time to come together. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to each and every heart. Lord, have your will and your way in this service and in this invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As the musicians play softly, as the ushers collect the uh, next step cards, I want to talk to you for a minute. Have you ever been born again? You know, I didn't know what that was either. Before I got saved, I thought, that's weird. What, what kind of language is that, you know? But, but when the Holy Spirit convicted me one day, and I realized that I needed Jesus in my life, I realized that I was on my own, and if I didn't change the direction of my life, if I didn't turn from my sin and, and put my trust in Christ alone, that I was headed for a devil's hell that I would stand before Him on Judgment Day and I'd be like, I missed the big picture. So today I want to ask you, have you been born again? When you hear the Word of God and the Spirit of God grips your heart and you know you need to give your life to the Son of God and you believe Jesus is the Son of God, He is the Savior of the world, and you simply come to Him and you cry out to Him and say, Lord, I, I believe Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, save me. Come into my life. When you come with that attitude, when you come with that approach and you seek Him and you ask Him to come into your life, He will. He won't turn you away. And He'll love you because He's demonstrated His love already that while we were sinners, He died on that cross for you and you and you. Will you come to Him today? Will you receive him today? Lord, have your will in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.